not important right now. All right, so um, good to see you all. So uh, um, we get to start tonight by talking about something serious. That's why I'm sitting in the big leather chair. Uh, where are my glasses? They're actually at home. I forgot them, and so hopefully I won't need them. I've memorized this passage, so uh, just kidding. Um, so this weekend was the retreat, and it was, um, for some of us, it was, well, it was a little bit like, you ever go to somebody's house, and they're like, all right, for dinner, we're having um, meatloaf. And some people are like, yeah, meatloaf, I love it. And other people are like, yeah, meatloaf, um, not really my favorite. And so you walk away and you're like, yeah, I mean, it was, I was full and all, but not really my favorite. Or let's say you have a substitute teacher sometime. And your substitute teacher comes in, and they decide that they're not going to teach what the teacher told them to teach. They're going to teach something that they want to teach. And some people are like, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm into that teaching. Um, and other people are like, yeah, that's not really, that's not what the teacher would have taught. So in college, I had a, my advisor. His name is Richard Mayer, Dr. Richard Mayer. One thing about him is he didn't stay too hydrated. Um, he was never hydrated enough. And if you don't stay hydrated, you can get um, dry mouth, which produces uh, white saliva in the corner of your mouth. And so if you ask Nikki about it, she, he was really, really grossed her out. And um, at first, I didn't really understand Dr. Mayer because he would never really tell you how it was. You'd be like, well, what's the answer? And he would say something like, well, what do you think the answer is? And you're like, come on, man. You're the teacher. I want the answer. And he would say, well, why don't you tell me what you think the answer is? And at first it really frustrated me, and then it became a very beneficial thing because in college I didn't learn what to think, I learned how to think. And so some of you coming off the retreat are like meatloaf, substitute teacher, not the answers that I was looking for. And that's okay, because it was one weekend, it was one time. Some of you are like, I didn't even go to the retreat, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, well, shame on you. <laughs> Not shame on you. I'm kidding. I was joking. But the point is, when we go to these things, when we go to these retreats, when we hear somebody speak, oftentimes we might not necessarily like what they're saying or how, like how they're saying it. And we might walk away with a bad taste in our mouth. And the point is, we want you all not to know what to think. We want you to know how to think. So the answers are for you to come up with through Scripture, through um, you know, people that are close to you, like your small group leaders, and you're supposed to come up with these answers on your own with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and Scripture and your 
leaders and your parents, and so on and so forth. So if you walked away from the weekend thinking, not the answer I was looking for, um, it's a little bit like this. You know when you're around some people and they just shove you randomly? And you're like, honestly, what was that for? <laughs> and then the next time you're around them, you are ready for it, right? You're like, I'm ready for this person to shove me. And so you kind of brace yourself. Some of us were shoved over the weekend, and we're like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Um, but now we're processing and thinking about um, some things a little bit deeper and asking some deeper questions and learning how to think about certain things. And again, others of you are like, meatloaf, that was great. And there's some of you are like, you're not making any sense at all right now. And for those of you, it's like, woohoo, Easter weekend, let's have some candy. Speaking of candy, um, tomorrow night's Maundy Thursday, and so I invite you personally, um, invite you all out to join us for Maundy Thursday. It's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. We're going to have a service over there. There's going to be singing. There's going to be some um, spoken word getting us thinking about, I had tacos tonight. <laughs> love tacos. Sometimes tacos don't love me. Um, so come tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, bring your parents, because many of you can't drive, um, so they'll need to bring you, and then just say, hey, just stick around, it's only an hour, you can bring a friend, um, it'll be a good time. Okay, some of you want to ask me other questions about um, what I was trying to say earlier, we can talk later. Uh, so growing up, I was um, bound and determined that I was going to be a um, large sea mammal trainer. <laughs> Think Free Willy, except the opposite, because in Free Willy, they don't want Willy to be in the cage, and I wanted them to be in the cage. And so um, I went as far as joining the swim team at a later age um, because I really wanted to be uh, work at SeaWorld. Now, since then, I've seen the light, and it is called Blackfish, and I never want to work at SeaWorld ever again. I don't ever want to go to SeaWorld. SeaWorld is a product of Satan. Um, but it makes me think, um, those of you who don't believe me, you haven't seen Blackfish. Uh, it makes me think about um, what does it take to train, not a dragon, but a large mammal, like Shamu, um, or even like a dolphin, or better yet, let's take a Kodiak grizzly bear. <laughs> so there's this guy and his wife, and they rescue these grizzly bears from um, various situations, and they raise them from when they are um, little tiny baby cubs. And it's this amazing video that I should be showing you, but I'm not. Um, of this guy with his 1,400 pound, okay, so me um, times seven minus some. That's how. <laughs> so seven times me minus some. And uh, it would actually be, never mind. 
So it's this, this grizzly bear, this Kodiak grizzly bear, the largest grizzly bears in the world. And it's just this dude like scratching his back and he's like riding on this grizzly bear and the grizzly bear is like chewing on his hand. And you're like, oh my word, can I have one? And then the guy says, you have to be careful because if he lays on you, he'll kill you. <laughs> like, if he lays on you, how about if he swipes you with his paw? How about if he bites your head? You know, it would be much like when you bite into a peanut M&M. Too far? You get the idea. So we are fascinated, right? We're fascinated with the training of these large mammals. Um, think about the circus, um, Dumbo, the movies out, you know, training the lions and the tigers and the bears, oh my, and we're like, wow, this is amazing. How can they do this? Well, tonight we have something harder to train than any of those things, and it's in James chapter 3. Not many of you, somebody have the page? 10, 12, towards the back. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Bless you. That's what I said. No. <laughs> Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. So he starts off by saying, if you want to be a teacher, you should reconsider things. Now, he's not saying that if you want to be an educator, if you want to teach school, you shouldn't do that. What he's saying is, if you want to race to the front of the line to um, tell everyone about how smart you are, you should probably be aware that there are uh, some higher standards. For you know that we who teach will be judged and with greater strictness. Why is that? Because uh, when I say something as a teacher, you have an inclination to believe that it is true. Because you, um, hypothetically speaking, you think that I'm an authority figure. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, you see me as maybe um, an authority figure in this subject matter. And what James is saying is, if you are in a place of teaching or educating people, especially about the things of God, you need to beware. Because if I lead you astray, I'm going to be held more accountable than you are because you're going to say, well, Eric said this. And that's why it's so important for us to learn how to think and not just blindly follow what we're supposed to do. One time I got pulled over because my tint was too dark on my car. Goldie, may she rest in peace. Um, and, and so the highway, nice highway patrolman said, uh, you need to scrape the, wind, the tint off both your front and your back window. I'm like, whatever, man. I've had this car forever. And so then I was talking to a police officer friend of mine. He's like, you don't have to scrape the back off. It's fine. And so then I didn't scrape the back off. And then I get pulled over again by the same guy. Well, actually, Nikki got pulled over in my car by the same guy. And he's like, I told you to scrape the tint off. 
She's like, but officer so-and-so said it was okay. And so then he goes back to his car, calls officer so-and-so, and then it's a bad deal. If you're in a place of authority and you lead people astray, it does not go well for you. He says, of course, we all make mistakes. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone stumble, does not stumble, which doesn't happen, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by... It's in the Bible, hell, okay? Location, set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind... But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water." So James goes into this whole thing about our tongue. And um, I was playing uh, football in college, and Joe Ford, who happened to live, um, he no relation to Henry Ford, Joe Ford, Brandon Valley, he lived on my floor with me. And one day we were doing um, punt return drills, and Joe thought his, um, thought his mouth guard was unnecessary. Joe nearly bit his tongue in half. Now, contrary to popular belief, the tongue is not the strongest uh, muscle in your body. There's lots of urban myths about it. But if you've ever had an injury to your tongue, it is maybe some of the worst pain you've ever had in your entire life. Um, A few years ago, many years ago, it was about... 12 years ago, maybe 11, I'd gotten a piece of peanut brittle stuck in my teeth. It was Christmas time. And so I was trying to get it out with my tongue, and I sliced open the side of my tongue. Now, if you ever get canker sores, which I am known to do, you know how bad they hurt. I got a canker sore the size, I'm not joking, the size of a dime on the side of my tongue. It made me nauseous. I didn't want to eat. I would take salt, and I'd go like this, and I'd dip it in the salt, and then I would just stick it on the side of my tongue, like, die, you tongue. Ah! (laughs) It's amazing how such a small part of our body has so much power and can cause so much pain in our lives and in other people's lives. And James is talking about how powerful our tongue is. And he says in verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, 
yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. Have you ever noticed that we tend to say things um, that we're surrounded by? And when we moved to Minnesota, um, I didn't even realize it. And then it just started infiltrating my whole being. And then I found myself saying, oh, yeah, for sure, we should go get go out on the boat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, what's happened to me? <laughs> or there's nothing more truth, there's no greater truth in your life of how you talk than when you have little kids. And one day... Wyatt, he was young at the time, and he was from the back uh, of the vehicle. All of a sudden, he was like, he says, dang it. I think it was three. I'm like, what did you just say? Dang it. I'm like, don't say that. Where did you learn to say that? And we have this thing in our vocabulary when we're surrounded by things or when we're surrounded by people and words, they just come out of our mouth and we're like, oh, where did that come from? And you're like, oh, that doesn't happen to me. The way we speak, whether it be the way we speak about other people, the way we speak using the words that we use, the vocabulary that we use, is a learned behavior. I used to have an epically good potty mouth, which is an oxymoron, I understand. <laughs> and when I first met Nikki, she thought of me as this um, God-fearing uh, follower of Jesus, which I was, and then we popped in an old video that my friend and I had made, and she was like, oh my word, you have such a potty mouth. I'm like, yeah, about that, I'm working on it. Our tongues have great power to say good things and to say bad things. And we think, oh, I think I have everything under control. And then we'll say something or somebody will say, call us out on something we have said. And we realize that the tongue is such a powerful thing in our lives and in other people's lives. And it is a clear reflection on who we are and what we are ingesting. You ever um, eat like a gobstopper, like a purple gobstopper? And then your tongue, you're like, ah, check out my tongue, it's purple, ah, right? It's the same way with our lives. What we're consuming, whether it be the music that we listen to, what we consume online, what we consume on TV, the people that we hang out with, what we're consuming eventually will come out of our mouths whether we know about it or not. And then it'll come out in front of our parents and we'll be like, I didn't mean to say that. I don't usually say that. Yes, you do. You just don't usually say that in front of me. And James is saying we have to beware of our tongues it is so important to understand how to bridle or control our tongue. 
He says this, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Whoa. So what I say is a reflection of who I am and affects my whole body. And then in verse 9, he says, With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So I had this um, tendency to use this word that I was very convicted by in light of this verse and other verses. Maybe you've thought it before. Certainly, hypothetically speaking, you may have said it about someone else. You can say something to the effect of, oh, that, per- that person is so worthless. I know none of you have ever said it, but maybe you've got a friend asking for a friend, if that's okay to say. Um, well, the friend would be me, and it's not okay to say, because let's think about that. As James says, we bless God, we come in here and we sing and we say the right things and then we curse other people. And to say that someone is worthless, you're like, well, that's not actually what I mean. Okay, if that's not what you actually mean, then don't say it. To say someone is worthless or stupid or any of these other demeaning things with our tongue is to do the opposite of what God is telling us to do. We bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. When we speak negatively about other people, we're in essence diminishing the value that God has placed on their lives. Whether we say it about a friend, which why would we say it about a friend, or whether we say it about an enemy, whether we say it about anyone, we're demeaning the value that they have in God's economy. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig, my brothers and sisters, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So I rarely ate school lunch, and I think it stems back to this one event. I was in middle school. I was in the lunch line. There was the salad bar, and I was like, oh, sweet, whipped cream just hanging out on the salad bar. So I took a big scoop and plopped it on my tray, and then I sat down. And I was like, oh, yes, whipped cream. No, sour cream. (laughs) It was deceiving, right? Both white, kind of um, fluffy looking, but not even close to the same thing. Or you have that moment where you go up to the fountain, drinks, and you think you're getting Mountain Dew, and you're actually getting Diet Mountain Dew and you want to vomit because Diet Mountain Dew is from Satan? I mean, the chemicals, the fakeness. I mean, think about it. It's, it's, 
It's, oh, dew from the mountain or swill of Satan, right? It's like masquerading as if it is God, and yet it is not. It is an imitation of God, looks like God, smells like God, tastes nothing like God. You're like, God is not Mountain Dew. I'm aware. You guys were getting a little tired, and so I just thought I'd bring you back to life. The point is, if we are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and praise God with our tongues, then we shouldn't also be spewing other things negatively about other people because we can't have both. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Then he goes on, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and do not be, and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Excuse me. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. He makes this slight little shift into where is wisdom from or what does wisdom look like? He says, by his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Boasting, bragging, being selfish, he says straight out, straight away, is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And you're like, wow. Jealousy, selfishness, boasting, all of these characteristics that we would be like, please don't ever use that as something that you would use to describe me. But isn't that what the world uses to describe themselves? Selfish, boastful, hey, look how amazing I am. Look at what I have. Look at what my parents have bought me. You know the drill, right? And James is saying, don't be those people. Don't say these things and don't be those people because those things produce disorder and every vile practice. And he gives us this nice little contrast of wisdom that comes from God is the opposite of all of those things. Wisdom that comes from God is not selfish, it's not boastful, it's not jealous, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. It's like, have you ever had a friend who's like, 
takes a drink of something or they smell something and they're like, this is terrible, try it. (laughs) Nikki took a drink of something the other day and she's like, this is disgusting, you need to try it. No. Like, oh, this reeks, smell it. No. Why would I want that? Well, you need to try it. No, I don't. That's kind of what James is saying. He's saying this is what the world looks like. It's selfish. It's jealous. It's driven by all of these negative things. Don't, you don't need to try it. <laughs> you don't need to try it. You need to look at the wisdom of God, because if somebody's like, this is amazing, you should try it, you're like, yeah, give me some of that. If I said, oh, try this birthday cake, it tastes amazing, you'd say, I forgot it was your birthday, it's okay, not till tomorrow. (laughs) That's what we should be doing, we should be living lives where people are like, hey, check this out. This God thing, this relationship with Jesus thing, it's amazing. And they're like, yes, let me try some of that. But the question is, how are we living our lives? How are we representing ourselves with the things that we say, with how we carry ourselves, with how we talk about other people? Are we representing something that is of the world, that is vile, nasty, or are we representing the things of God, which is this amazing, peaceable, all of these wonderful characteristics? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come tonight, and it is uh, so good to be here. And yeah, the rain is cool and not exactly what we would desire, but it is refreshing, just like your spirit. And it comes upon us and refreshes us and renews us and brings us back to life. And we come tonight in in this holy week, this week that we celebrate Maundy Thursday and your death and Easter and your resurrection. And we come to this interesting text from James that talks about how we represent ourselves and ultimately how we represent you. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be working in our hearts, that you would be working in our minds, that you would be working in the ways that we communicate. Not just with our family, not just with our friends, the way we communicate with those that we intersect with, maybe the people that we don't like. And that we would be representing you and not the things of the world. That we would use the same tongue to praise you and to speak positive, uplifting things about those people. The people that you look at and love just as much as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to your groups.